Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. If you're visiting, we've been in the book of Hebrews. For those of you who've been with us, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 9. Let me jump uh, right out of the gate with a quick review of where we've been. Last week, we talked about covenants. Covenants. We kind of had like a covenant 101 class. And what we said last week was that our most basic need in life is for relationships. Now, first and foremost, a relationship with God. That's why we were created. Then he created us also for to have a relationship with others. And that if you remember last week, we talked God has always desired a relationship with his most prized possession. And that was us. If you want to write this down and maybe say what I just said another way, God has always desired a people to dwell with and a place in which to dwell with them. So if you go to the garden, why? Why did God do that? Quite simply, he wanted to. Why did he create us? What is Eden, this place where he would dwell with his most prized possession? He did it because he wanted to, because that's what he desired. He's always desired that. And we talked in the Old Old Testament about an old covenant. And what covenant was, was when God would make promises to the humans. And then in turn, the humans would make commitments back to God. And of course, we learned that the humans would always fail on their commitment, but God never failed in his promises. And then in Hebrews, when you're hearing about that old covenant, that specifically they were talking about the Mosaic law, that Levitical system, this priestly system, sacrifices and temples and tents and the Ten Commandments and and all of that was the old covenant. If you remember last week, But I said there were two significant limitations with the old covenant. Now, before I told you that, I did say the old covenant's not bad. The old covenant was actually awesome. Just like Moses was awesome. Just like the angels are awesome. It's just that Jesus is better and the new covenant is better. And those two significant limitations... And pertaining specifically to the priests going into the holy place and them making sacrifice. One was this severe restriction of access to God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And then the second one was that sacrifices that were made under Old Covenant, they were actually inadequate. We're going to talk about that next week. So this week, severe restriction of access to God. Now we ended in chapter 8. Talking about this new covenant, says in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So I had an illustration up here last week, but I want to use a different one this week. Now, if you are 35 years old or younger, this is going to be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay? But if you're about 36 or older, you will. So when I went away to college... My, my dad got me a calling card. Anybody? You'd get a calling card. 
And that's, and, and you would go to, you, there was this, there were these wall of phones in the dorm, right? And you go grab a phone. You have to punch in the numbers on this calling card to make a long distance call back home to talk to your parents when you're at college. Okay. Calling card. I have a little PTSD over this because mine was stolen and somebody was using it. And it ran, I mean, it was, my dad called me he was so mad. What are you doing calling people in Florida and Chicago? I'm like, I don't even know anyone in Florida and Chicago. Anyway, sorry about that. Well, now we have cell phones. Listen, those calling cards were awesome. I love being able to, man, I was so grateful to have those and to be able to call my parents. And they were awesome. But guess what? Anybody used a calling card lately? No, we have iPhones. One was obsolete. And one's way better. And that's what we're talking about, New Covenant, Old Covenant. This takes us to chapter 9. Let me read the first five verses, and then we'll jump in, and then I'll, I'll read the rest, or, or, or the next portion later. It says, now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness, for a tent was prepared. The first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now, if we work backwards, the reason he's saying we cannot now speak in detail is because the audience that would have been hearing this sermon or reading this letter, they didn't need the detail. They knew all about it, okay? So he's like, just for now, we're not going to go into that because you guys already know everything I'm talking about. But let, let me jump into this because there was this design of this holy place. I've got a slide for you just to kind of show you so you'd come in over here through this gate. And then you see the bronze altar. That's where most of the sacrifice, that's where these sacrifices would take place. Just imagine a bunch of animals right there just being slaughtered for a sacrifice. And all in that area right there, people were allowed to be there. You and I, we could have went in there. We would have went in there. We would have brought our animals to be sacrificed. But then you'll see there's this, the, the, the wiggly lines there, that's a curtain. And that's the first curtain. And in there was this lampstand, and it was lit. And it was always lit, night and day, and it reminded people of God's continual presence in that place specifically. So remember that, God's continual presence, where? In that place. Then there was a table of showbread. There were 12 loaves laid out on this. It's called the bread of presence. And this symbolized the bread that God was giving to them. It also symbolized the promise that God would always provide for them. And then there was this altar of incense. And you can see that it, it, it stood right in, the, right, right in the front of the other curtain. Right in front of the entrance to the Holy of Holies. Now this represented two things. One, it represented another barrier. So think of it to this point. We have this gate. That's a barrier. 
We have this curtain, that's a barrier. Now you have this altar of incense, that's yet another barrier between them and God. Or them and the presence of God. But it also represented their prayers. And like the incense rising, their prayers rising up before God. So you had this first curtain that would take you into the holy place. And then you had this second curtain that guarded what's called the holy of holies. Now this isn't like the curtain that you have in your living room. This curtain was massive. Some say 30 by 30. Some say 60 feet tall and 30 feet wide. Four inches thick at a minimum. Massive curtain. This is described like this. Layers and layers of overlapping material. And rope so that the place where the presence of God was, the Holy of Holies, was in absolute, unapproachable darkness. That's what this curtain did. It was a barrier. And then inside of that Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Looked something like this. See... In the Bible, people would literally die if they touched this. Stories in the Bible, you can read them in the Old Testament. Whether they touched it intentionally, whether they touched it unintentionally, immediately they would die. This was the presence of God. And then Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, we we saw this word. I want you to underline this word. We are going to go here next week big time. I want you to underline this word in 9, verse 5. It said, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing The mercy seat. The mercy seat. This was where the presence of God was. Think of all the barriers. And we pick up in verse 6. It says, these preparations having thus been made, the priest go regularly into the first section Performing their ritual duties. So your priest would have been, remember we talked about this, your priest would have been able to go into the holy place. But only one guy got to go into the holy of holies or the holiest place, that was the high priest. Verse 7, but into the second only the high priest goes and he but once a year and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates That the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience. And we talked last week, and we're going to talk a lot more about these sacrifices next week and about our consciences being clear. But all these preparations, all this this ritual stuff that the, that the priest would have to go through to get through these barriers. It says, but they deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. And we'll get into this next week, but on down in verse 23, we won't get there today. It says, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things. And we need to understand this in Hebrews. All these things were great. Moses angels, the priest, the temple, they're awesome, but they were just copies of what was to come. Earthly copies. And we need to understand when these priests were going through these rituals, 
to pass through this barrier and then to pass through this barrier. They would do this with great fear. They would only go into the presence of God with great fear because, listen, if they did not do these rituals properly, if they were not cleansed properly when they went into the presence of God improperly, they would drop dead. Can you imagine? Imagine the fear associated with this. But we see this. These regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. So here's what we need to understand. You had these earthly copies. You had limited access to the presence of God until the time of reformation. And what Hebrews is teaching us is that when Jesus came on the scene, he was the great reformer. Don't miss that. Jesus was the great reformer. There was limited access until something was reformed, and Jesus gives us access. Think about some of the things that Jesus told us. John chapter 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Do you understand what he's saying there? I'm the way and I'm, no one has access to the Father but through me, the way, the truth, and the life. Well, listen, in the Old Covenant, there was a way, there was access, it was this gate, this curtain, and this curtain. Are you with me? And Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, 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 I am the way now. Now you can get into the presence of the Father, but it's through me. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. What do you do with doors? You open them and you go through doorways, yes? Jesus says, hey, it's me now. I am the great reformer. How did he do this? He came, he lived this perfect life. Then he died on a cross for your sins and my sins. We're going to talk a bunch about that next week. But if you remember, let's go to the cross just for a minute. We talk about the cross here. We talk about the gospel. Jesus on the cross. Are you with me? He's there. This will, this, you guys will know this. And Jesus takes his last breath. But right before he takes his last breath, he, say, he says it's finished, right? And then the Bible says he gave up the ghost. Yes? Give me some head shakes. At least I can see like a half of you. Yeah? Okay, now listen, what, what does the Bible say happens after that? Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Here it is. This is right after Jesus dies on the cross, takes his last breath. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now listen, the curtain they're talking about, it's the one into the holy of holies. It's that four inch thick one, okay? Listen, and we're not talking like a corner ripped of it. It just got a little tear in an earthquake. This stinking massive curtain, 30 foot wide, split in two from top to bottom, thus opening something. God did this on purpose. What was this about? I think it's about a couple things. In the Old Testament, in Jewish culture, 
when there, was, when, there was great, when there was great pain, when there was great sorrow, when there was great grief, the Hebrew, Hebrew men would tear their clothes. You guys read about this? And we read that and we're like, that's weird. What's going on there? It was just part of their culture. In Genesis 37, 34, Jacob, when he hears that Joseph had been killed. Now, he hadn't really been killed. You guys know the story. The brothers brought, brought his bloody pretty coat back, right? And they're like, hey, your son's dead. Something must have torn apart. It says Jacob tore his clothes because he, he, he lost a son. King David does this. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, he hears of his son dying. What did he do? He tore his clothes. And we have this curtain covering God the Father. And when the son took his last breath, grief, sorrow, but, it, but it's also another picture we'll, we'll see in Hebrews chapter 10. It was also a picture of Jesus' body torn. See, Jesus' body was torn, and that made a way for us to get to the presence of God. In other words, there was limited access for everyone until Jesus died, tearing the curtain, and now we have unlimited access. That's a really, really big deal. And then we get into all these little phrases from Hebrews, right? Because Jesus did die and the curtain was torn, but they buried him. And listen, in case you're new here, you're not sure exactly what the gospel is. They buried and Jesus was dead for three days, but he rose again. He came back to life. Yes, a dead man was dead for three days. He rose again. He came back to life. And Hebrews says that Jesus enters into a holy place behind the curtain. Remember Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 4 says Jesus passed through into the presence of God, into a truer and a better holy of holies. And Hebrews is teaching us this, that Jesus is the better tent. Jesus is the better temple. And in his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension, he actually makes us temples. Temples where God indwells. Say, imagine the tent with me. I gave you the layout. That doesn't exist anymore. Well, where, where does God indwell? If you're following Jesus, right here. So Jesus is a truer and better temple, and he makes those of us who follow him temples in which God indwells. And then the Bible even says all of us together are actually one big temple. Do you guys know this? It's genius, isn't it? Like the gospel is genius. Jesus is the better temple. He makes his people temples, and then all of us together become one big temple. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says, For through him, that's Jesus, we both have access. We all have access now in one spirit to the Father. 1 Peter chapter 2 uses this little phrase. He says, we are living stones. Okay, so now does this make, listen, if any, I don't know if you guys, here's what the Lord is doing for me. Like Hebrews makes a 
bunch of the songs that we sing make sense. Right? So we, we, you sing this song quite a bit, like Cornerstone, Christ Lord Cornerstone, right? Christ is the cornerstone. We are all living stones, and together we make up this big temple where God lives. It's genius. And we have unlimited access. So here's what used to happen. People, they went to a single place, the tent or the temple, and this single place outside of themselves. They went to a single place outside of themselves to be in the presence of God. But here's what happens now. Now, God, through his spirit, takes up residence in us, in his people, and we get to experience the fullness of God's presence every second. That's crazy. This is huge. In the old covenant, you had God's space and you had human space and they were clearly differentiated without question. And under the new covenant, it is God within us. Now, what does that mean for the world? See, in the old covenant, you had God's space in this one spot. But the genius of the good news of Jesus is now we are indwelled. And everywhere we go out there are just little God spaces. You ever picture that? Wherever you are, if you're following Jesus, now you are the God space. And you have unlimited access to God the Father. But you also provide access points for people who do not know God the Father. It's genius, is it not? It's genius. Used to everyone have to travel and come to this spot, bringing their animals. Now God's spaces are all over the world. How does this happen? This happens by the power of his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God living, us, living inside of us. You've got to understand this. Jesus was going to leave. Remember, he's telling the disciples, he's like, I got to leave. But listen, I am sending something better. You guys understand that we have more access than the disciples did. Listen, these guys sat down beside him. John laid his head on Jesus' chest, and we have more access than that. The disciples could only be with Jesus when they were with him. We get to be with Jesus wherever we are. That's a really big deal. That's new covenant stuff. I hope this isn't lost on us. Now let me make this practical because this is really where I want to sit today. The primary way that we have access to God through the power of his Holy Spirit, is that we get to pray. We get to run to God the Father in prayer. James chapter 15, 6 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now listen, we know the gospel here. Who's the righteous person? Anyone that's following Jesus. 
because we have his righteousness. That means if you're following Jesus, you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. When you pray, because you are righteous, it has great power. We have direct, unlimited access to God. Hill City, if you get nothing else today, I want you to get this. Jesus did not die on the cross and raised from the dead so that we have to tiptoe to him in prayer. He opened the way of access to God and we need to run to him. We need to with confidence, as Hebrews said in chapter four, draw near to him. How do we do that? In prayer. Remember the Old Testament? Like we don't have to take our sandals off in the presence of God, right? We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to wash ourselves and do all these these weird rituals to go to God. We don't have to create a fog. That's what happened in the Holy of Holies, right? This this priest would have to create a fog so that he didn't really see the Ark of the Covenant clearly because, man, he would have just died. We don't have to do that anymore because Jesus made a way and we're clothed in his righteousness. So then why is it that some of us at times, get scared to just go talk to God. Just me? First John 4 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Do we not see a picture of perfect love when Jesus died on the cross for us? Listen, we don't have to go to God in fear. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. We are not going to be punished for going into the presence of God. That's a really big deal. One theologian said, we have got to approach God with a holy boldness. Run to him. Have you read the Psalms lately? We can go to God the way David did in the Psalms. Man, he said some hard things to God if you read the Psalms. Where have you been? God, where have you been? We, we can go to God the way people went to Jesus in the Gospels, right? Grabbing him. No, come with me. You have to come with me now. Somebody needs healed. No, God, I just, I'm, gonna grab the, grab, I'm just going to grab the thing you're wearing. I'm just going to touch it because I know something great's going to happen. That's a holy boldness. Do we have that, Hill City Church? got to understand this. Listen, you and I, if we're following Jesus, we have God's attention and God's affection all the time. Just sit, let that sit for a minute. We have God's attention and his affection all the time. And listen, so now let's just talk about some imperfect love for a minute. I'm talking about perfect love. How about some imperfect love? So, so I go, sometimes I have to travel, and, I, and I'm away from my kids, right? And it's awful. Like, I miss them. I want to see them. I want to talk to them. It's just gut-wrenching. And then sometimes I'll call, maybe I'll call Jenny and be like, hey, the kid's there. And she's like, well, they're already in bed. And I'm like, oh, just I hate it. I hate being away from them. I hate not talking to them. So then the next day, I plan a little better, and I'll call a little earlier, and boom, there we are on FaceTime. And I'm just like, oh, these kids have my affection all the time. Now imagine God the Father and how he feels about his kids. Have you talked to him lately? 
Man, he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. Sometimes I think we're scared. We think, man, I don't know if God wants to hear from me. I I, I probably just need to punish myself a little longer before I run to him. That's anti-gospel thinking. I don't care what you've done. You run to God. His reaction is going to be, I've been waiting for you. You've had my affection and my attention the whole time. Don't, don't, Don't stay away so long. So practically, what's this going to look like here at Hill City Church? Hill City, we have got to start praying together, understanding that we have God's attention and affection all the time. Listen, the elders of this church, we talk. It is the, elder, the elders of this church, we desire greatly for us to become a more praying church. But here's what we knew. When we started talking about this, the elders said, if that's going to happen, then the elders have to become more praying elders. So that's what we've been doing. Meeting at 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings to pray. Pray for you guys. Pray for this church. We, we've been praying. The staff, then we took this to our staff. Our staff has been praying like crazy, more than we've ever prayed before. Well, let me tell you something that happened here. Um, There was a situation that happened here downtown, and we didn't even know how to pray or what to pray for, but the staff got together and were like, Lord, you know what's going on, but whatever's going on, we are giving this to you. Whatever person is involved in this, Lord, we're praying, we're lifting them up, move and do something here. And listen to me, like five months later, we found out what was going on, and it was a person that was had hit rock bottom. They were in big time trouble in life. It was an absolute disaster. That person is at Hill City Church now. It's crazy. The staff just said, we got to go to the Lord. We got to pray for this. One of the things we're doing new here, you're going to see it today. We have people that are down here during communion. Why? Because we want to pray together. The Bible says we should pray together. We have unlimited access There's another thing that I want to make sure we're doing. Hill City Church, we have to pray intentionally. And I get it. Some of you are naturally better prayers than others. I get it. But let me just give you something very practical. Something we've been doing around here probably for about a year, maybe longer. 10.02. Remember that, 10.02. This started with our college ministry they started praying they started setting an alarm every day at 1002 and their alarm would buzz why did they do that well I'll I'll show you why Luke chapter 10 verse 2 and he said to them the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest So at 10.02 every day, it started with our college. They've been doing this. I'm so proud of them. They crush it. But then now our staff, all of our alarms are going off at 10.02. And what do we do? We pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. It's intentional. So here we go. Hill City Church, you are invited right now into 10.02. If you have a phone, get it out. Get your phones out. Click your alarm. I want you to set your alarm for 10.02. You can do a.m. and p.m., by the way. It's up to you. And every time that phone buzzes, 
Listen to me, does this mean when you're at work at 10.02 a.m. that when your alarm goes off that you spread everything off your desk and you pull your chair out and you drop down to your knees and you're crying out? No, it doesn't mean that. It just, listen, you have the presence of God right there. It's quite simply, Lord, I'm in the middle of this meeting. It's 10.02, my phone just buzzed. Send laborers to your harvest in Jesus' name. I think that took me about seven seconds, but it's intentional. We have the presence of God with us. Set your alarms for 10.02, join us, and then watch God work. Pray intentionally. And then the last thing, we gotta pray continually. What do we mean pray continually? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, pray without ceasing. Again, does this mean we're dropping on our knees and clearing everything out and just crying out to the Lord all the time? No, that's not even reasonable. This just means that we are in a constant conversation with our creator because he's someone close to us. This is just just knowing that you're in the presence of God all the time. God, I know you're here. I just want to talk to you. I just want to praise you. Let me tell you what this looked like the other day. I'm walking out of a meeting, and like I saw like a little leaf on the ground, yellow, right? Those little ones are starting to fall, right? And I'm just like, God, look what you look what you're doing. This is awesome. And then I just got in my car and drove. Listen, that's prayer. That's praise. That's me knowing that God is with me all the time, that I have continual access, and you do too, and he wants to hear from you. Sometimes I think we pray, we talk to God as if like we're writing a letter to Santa Claus, right? Dear God, I've been a bad boy, so I've stayed away for a while, but now I've been away long enough. Now I can come to you. Would you please now give me this and give me this? And Listen, it's God the Father. It's not Santa Claus. So let me talk to you. Listen, we're going to have some baby dedications up here. It's one of my favorite things to do. Let me talk to the mothers. You, you mothers aren't sleeping up in the middle of the night rocking your baby. Hey, God's right there. He's right there. You have access to him. Continual access. have this great privilege. We get to talk to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus any time we want to do that. There was an old hymn. You guys will remember, those of us who grew up in church, it says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our hopes and griefs are bare. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Hill City Church, Listen to me, this is, this is a call for us to pray. Now listen, this isn't, this isn't me shaming you for how poorly you think you might pray. Okay, forget that. This isn't, can you talk? You can pray and it works. I just can't imagine, church, I cannot imagine that we're going to get to the end of our lives. You go, you know, I just talked to God way too much. I wish I hadn't done that. It's not going to happen. May we become a people, Hill City Church, that understands that we have continued access, unlimited access to God. And may we believe this on a heart level and then may we live it. Let's pray. What a genius thing 
God, that you would make us all little temples and just create God's space everywhere that we are. May we realize that. May we realize the unlimited access that we have. Give us all a holy boldness to run to you in prayer with anything and with everything. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.